Welcome to Between the Horns. It is Thursday, June 13th. Miles Simmons here with DeMarco Farr. It is just about 11.15 a.m. Pacific time here in Agoura Hills, California. And the Rams have completed their offseason program, D. I love Sean McVay. Yeah? I would love to play for Sean. I would love to play in this era, number one. <laughs> I would. <laughs> this is great. I look at Andrew Whitworth, like I said, I just get mad and jealous. I'm like 37, and wow, this is perfect. Um, but just, you get your good work in, and then you reward your guys for good work and participation and let them loose yeah you know once you start training camp football doesn't end until february you know how it goes right yes especially if you're good you get a chance to work and then vacation you know what i mean yes relax your mind and then come back to it i think it's awesome well the interesting thing right now is that the rams really had much of their off-season program work go on way before this week Mm -hmm. if you remember last year mini camp was not extensive at all it was mostly a bunch of walkthroughs yeah so this year it was kind of one practice day the offense and defense went 11 on 11 for a lot of it and it was mostly just okay we're gonna get some jobs through work in and then the younger guys the twos the threes the fours if there are you know they were on the other field and they were working sort of by themselves and going through things a little bit of a quicker tempo yeah um so it's interesting because basically like you said you got all that good work in you got all that good participation in you didn't have anybody holding out this year you know aaron donald was there it was great to see him throughout the course of the offseason program so because of that you know, your guys have basically earned the right to go home and, no doubt. Or, right. and you know what, go train wherever you want to train, go to yeah. Cancun, <laughs> go wherever it is you want to go, go to Belize if you want to right. and do that for the next six weeks. Stay on your stuff because once we come back, we got to pick up where we left off. Right. I mean, it's going to be hard to get out of shape, you know, in a month. Even for if, guys like that, yeah. Right. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Not for me. I just read this story the other day. That the guy in Baltimore, when we were there, the big defensive tackle that came in, and he's listed at 340, and they said that he looks like he's above his plane weight. Was that Meebane? Not Meebane. I think it was Pierce. Okay. Big dude. And yeah. Harbaugh had to send him off because he wasn't in shape for minicamp. Mm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, it's different when you watch the Rams. They seem like they're in shape. It seems like... Uh, they're whisking through practice. Um, There's not a lot of double whistles. There's not a lot of shouting going on. It just seems like guys are getting their work done. So, I mean, if you can get good work out of your guys, if you're ahead of schedule or on schedule and you're not making many mistakes and you look physically pretty good, like you look right now, why not send them home early? Right. Uh, to me, and, and, and to me, like when you, when you increase minicamp practices for most teams, you, you risk chances of injury as well. So it almost balances itself out. So this is almost the smart thing to do as long as you're getting good work out of it. Right, exactly. And that's the thing about structure, right? The the things that they – the things that Sean McVay preaches is like – above the neck is so important, right? And if you get that classroom work in, then you don't necessarily need to be out on the field as much as you might otherwise because of the way they structure practice, the way they take care of guys. Jared Goff was talking about that this week too. Oh, no doubt. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I, I read this power ranking, quarterback power ranking, and they were listing guys one through 32. And it's funny, Case Keenum is 32. Oh my goodness. It's hilarious. And I think he's actually slashed. That's an inside joke between me and Miles. It is, but yeah. we might have told that joke on the podcast. Okay, well, go back and look. We're, right, we yeah, won't you, say it again. We won't say it again. But he's 32, and they had Jared Goff ranked eighth. But of the guys that were ranked ahead of him, they listed all their numbers, and they didn't for Jared because it seems like you want to take away some of his 
credit and give it to McVeigh. Like, he's good, but maybe he's not as good as this where we rank him, but we have to. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But there's also a benefit of having a guy like Jared Goff who can retain so much of the playbook. You know, he's going into year three of the offense. This is the way it should be. You should be practicing less on offense than more. If you've got to stay out there for three days just to get the basic stuff right, then chances are you're changing quarterbacks. But to have have a guy like Jared Goff who's getting better – in year three of the offense, yeah, you should be a little more efficient on the practice field. No doubt about it. And I'm glad you started. A lot with, more efficient on the practice field. Yes. I'm glad you you went there with Jared Goff because there was the news earlier on during the week. Uh, actually, it was the end of last week. Carson uh-huh. Wentz contract extension for the Eagles. He's with them now through the 2024 season. And, you know, when you're talking about Carson Wentz and a new contract, you have to bring up Jared Goff because those two guys are inextricably linked. Two quarterbacks picked one, two, both teams traded up in order to go get them. Now, I think the discussion rightfully turns to, okay, when are the Rams going to extend Jared Goff? True. Um, you know, I, we don't know Philadelphia as well as well as we know this football team here. Yeah. So I think there's a plan in place for Jared Goff. And I think everybody is above board. Uh, this is not shocking. Um you know, Philadelphia did what they thought was right with Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you have to factor factor in his injury history as well. You do. Yeah. So when, when you're making a deal, uh, a commitment to him. So um, either way, no matter what, all Jared has to do is keep winning. And like you said, it would take care of himself. And I believed him when we sat there in the press conference and he said, look, I'm not even worried about it. Yeah. You know, it's hard for some people to believe, but why would you? All you have to do is focus on the next play and make sure that's a success and then move to the next play. All this business will take care of itself. Exactly. That's quite pretty much exactly what he said. We got that sound from the press conference. We'll play it right here. Yeah, you definitely think about it. But at the same time, you know, I know none of that is even, you know, possible without playing well on the field and being available on the field. So just continue to do what I've been doing the last few years and be myself and let it take care of itself. That's the smart, prudent guy, and I love that. But you have people, and this is funny, uh, where it goes the opposite way, where you buy the yacht before you get the deal. You know what I mean? You shouldn't do that. That's what I'm saying. Like, when he (laughs) says, like, I can think about it, and you can think about, you know, in in a couple of years, I'm going to put some more zeros in this bank account. What could I buy with that? You know, that's fine to think that way. The the wrong way is, you know, I can pay for this later. <laughs> Let me right. buy it now, and then I can pay for it when I get the deal down the road. Well, no, that's not how it goes. It, yeah, that's not how it works. Well, there, are, a, <laughs> there are enough things that you can buy as the number one overall pick on your first contract right. anyway. Right. Like, I am well informed enough to know that Jared has at least purchased one car that yeah. is very, very nice. And really, he's had two. Well, I was thinking more like yacht, you know. Okay, well, you know, I don't That's think he's got. Saying. Okay, yeah, when yeah. you get that contract, you That's get yacht saying. money. Right now, he's got like BMW M6 and Range Rover money. Right, but I mean, <laughs> at some point, he's going to be at yacht money. But just wait till you get it. To get the yacht. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. all I'm saying. I, I think I do think it's interesting, and I think it probably speaks to the PR training that yep. um, the Rams have gotten. And actually, shout out to the Rams PR staff for getting the PFWA uh, PR Team of the Year award. No kidding. Last week, yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Big, big ups to artist Twyman, uh, Tiffany White, Julia Farron, and Travis Langer. Yeah, on I, that. Your toughest interviews. I mean, they still give interviews. They do. Yeah, they don't turn it down. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, oh my God, uh, just. I don't know what was more intimidating, right? Sue on the field, like when his pads are on and he's getting ready to go out, or Sue at his locker 
when people Student are waiting. Student want to talk, man. He, and, and like this he, is not did. like he did, but and he did. that speaks to what we're talking about. You're going to wait until he's ready. But I mean, just that space he <laughs> right <laughs> right he commanded was like, wow, I get it now. Uh, yes, it's yeah. a, a very large man. What, what I'm getting yeah. to though is that. Jared Goff has said this now. We've heard it from Dante Fowler. We've heard it from Marcus Peters. And I, I don't think it's just the PR thing. But I, and I, th- I think it really is something that these guys feel. But they've all said a version of when they're asked about their contract, that will take care of itself. Right. Uh, and look, it's it's betting on yourself. And what else could you ask for as an athlete, man? I mean, it's they show you the finish line, right? Which I think is the most dangerous thing. Okay, all you have to do is go from here to here to get X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. right? So it's and it benefits your team and you as well. If you have your best season ever, the team will thank you. The fans will love you and you'll get rewarded at the end. Tell me that's not motivation. That is professional sports at its core. Yes, that's the way it should be. You know, it's almost like a prize fight. You go through one guy to become champ or to get generational money. It's all out there for you, and everybody benefits. Well, that's that's what I mean about, like, when Dante Fowler was talking about it, mm-hmm. right? He signs the one-year deal, and then it's, I know that I need to perform well, and if I do that, then the contract thing will take care of itself. Right. Now, we were talking about cars, and I'm just going to throw this in here as a sidebar because I'm a big car guy. Yeah. So on Dante Fowler's Instagram story, uh, must have been Sunday, he revealed that he had a brand-new Lamborghini Urus coming off the truck. Now, this is one of the most beautiful cars I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. And Aaron Donald actually also had gotten one earlier this offseason. But Dante's is like jet black, blacked out rim. So media day is on Monday and he comes into the room we're in and I was like, Dante, you got to tell me about this Lambo. And he's like, well, I always wanted a Lamborghini. But those other ones, most of them, they're too small, you know, like you're so low to the ground. They're like, they're not good for what I need as a person who needs a car. Right. Uh, Like in a practical way. Yeah. yeah. So then he's like, you know, but I love these coupe SUVs. I love that type. Look, I saw this came out. I was like, oh, dude, I got to drive one of those. So he goes, he test drives it. And then he said that they didn't, he test drove it in Miami. Right. So he said they they didn't have the one that exact one that he wanted because he wanted it totally black, blacked out rims, you know, just right. beautiful. And because right. it, it is Batman. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so because they didn't have it, he's like, I had to order it straight from Italy. Oh. So comes <laughs> from Italy, gets off the truck and he's putting it on the Insta story. Ooh. And then he goes directly to Popeye's. Uh, see, that's what I like. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. Um, Pass rusher. Yeah, Mm -hmm. fighter pilot. Mm -hmm. Live on edge. Absolutely. Again, man, go out there and lead the league. Who says he can? No one. I mean, think about it. Look, look, you're in the shadow of this guy here who's going to see a a lot of attention. And Aaron Donald. Yes. That's going to open you up on the edge. And you've got Clay Matthews now. Yes. I mean, look, you're going to be getting a lot more favorable pass rushing situations than you probably ever have as a pro. Right. And if you hit on half of them, you're in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes. So, I mean, light that fire, light that candle, and, man, just let it fly, you know? To me, it's so interesting the way— but be under control. <laughs> yes. I, I looked up my all dumb it team yesterday, um, and I hate even to say that, just penalties and stuff. And this is when we get into Jadavian Clowney, right? The mm-hmm. guy is terrific he if is. you look at all the wild plays. But I think he had more penalty yardage than tackles for loss yardage. Oh, see, that's a big problem. Right. I mean, he's great, but then he gives up. So 
Fowler have a great season, turn it loose, but be disciplined as well. I, I feel like he was pretty disciplined last year. No doubt. I mean, but I, I, I just, and yeah. you know, I don't have the penalty numbers in front of me. I can look them up, but I don't no. feel like. Some of the best edge rushers ever were undisciplined. Charles Haley. Yeah. Charles Haley came underneath a thousand percent times more than any other defensive end that's ever won the Super Bowl. Sure. But he was right. 80% of the time he made big plays for his football team. So right. be wild, be loose, be that guy, be a threat. Uh, because, like you said, that left tackle, right tackle, wherever you're on, it, chances are it's going to be just you and him. All you got to do is get around him. So he was penalized four times as a member of the Los Angeles Rams last year. Two of them came in that game against Seattle at home, yeah. which was then memorable because, of course, later on in that game, he had that sack fumble of uh, Russell Wilson that led to a touchdown. Right. Big plays. Uh, right. You know, it, it's like way back when Aaron first started out and he's gotten a lot better. Uh, production equal tolerance. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make mistakes because you still make big plays. Well, he's eliminated the mistakes and kept making the big plays. Yes. That's how he's matured. So, um, but as long as you're wrecking shop up the field, if you're a, you know, a, a rushman like Fowler, like Donald, uh, they can forgive your mistakes, but just don't be undisciplined is all I'm saying. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. Yeah. And I think that that's something that he can do. Randy Gregory led the league. Like he was a, a great pass rusher. I mean, he disrupts, but he also led the league in 15 yard penalties. Right. That's not you. Well, it you kind can't of balances out, right? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. um, but but to get to get back to golf a little bit too, yeah. um, I I think at this point what we know is that he's going to make an average annual value of, of over thirty million dollars, right? Like that's just where we are with quarterbacks in the quarterback market. And from his standpoint, right now it's a matter of time. Now, mm-hmm. the thing we thought about last year with contracts and Aaron Donald, and he also had Khalil Mack. Well, which one of them do you think wanted to sign first? Right? Remember right. we had this conversation because who wants to be the, the one to set the market and then exceed it as the highest paid defensive player in the NFL? So turned out Aaron. Signed first, and then a day later we had Khalil Mack, and then mm-hmm. he got traded to Chicago, and then signed the largest deal um, for defensive player. But I think right now, in some ways, you've had okay Carson Wentz from that draft class he just signed, but then there are also a lot of quarterbacks out there who are either on the last year of their deals, going into things like that. So in the same draft class, you also have Dak Prescott. Then the previous draft class, you have uh, Jameis Winston in Tampa and Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. So a lot of these things have to shake themselves out. So in that way, if you're Jared Goff, it's kind of like, all right, well, those guys probably are not as good as me. Basically, they're definitely not as good as me because Carson Wentz, his team went to the Super Bowl, but he wasn't the quarterback then. He was hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. You also, I mean, they just went to the playoffs last year, but at that point, Nick Foles was the quarterback as well. Right. So uh, Dak Prescott (laughs) is really the only one with a comparable resume to Jared Goff. And even Dak Prescott hasn't been in the Super Bowl. That's your race there. Right. When does Dallas, dare I say, pull the trigger on you know, re-upping Dak Prescott. Well, and Dak Prescott is in a different situation too because he's going into the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. So they would, in theory, have to franchise him right. next year because he was that fourth-round pick, and Jared Goff was, of course, picked in the first-round, fifth-year option. Um, I, it it kind of muddies up the race for those two guys uh, when you think Prescott and Goff and the race for the extension. But like you said, Philadelphia had to do what Philadelphia had to do with their quarterback. You know, yes. uh, for the way he plays and his injury history, I think they had to get that deal done. And then, like Carson Wentz even said in his press conference, it's it's a win-win for, you know, for both sides. Yeah. But, you know, next up, I mean, 
I, I think I want to be the last guy to sign in this deal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, it, chances are it's probably going to be Jared Goff, the last guy to sign the deal. Yeah. So, I mean, it, but like he said, first of all, you have to take care of first things first. You have to go out there and play well. Right. Yeah, because right now we're speculating. We're assuming. And everybody, the money's all over the place. But you still have to go out and play well first. Yes. And and that's where his focus should be. And that's exactly where it is. Yes, yes. And to that end, I think Jared Goff has said, and Shane Waldron, past game mm-hmm. coordinator, uh, head quarterbacks coach, also said it this week, that there's a mastery that's coming with Jared Goff and the offense. He's feeling more comfortable, feeling more confident in it. We've also got some sound from Jared Goff on this. And we'll play it for you here. Yeah, I think I think definitely. I think just the more reps you get, the more time on task, and the more times you see looks and are able to execute plays that have different different defensive looks. And um, it's just about time. It's about anything else. Anything else you do, it's just about time and um, continue to get better at. This is true. Um, it, it's funny uh, seeing Todd at the press conference. I know we're going to get get into this, but yeah. it answered a lot of questions for me just from seeing the guy. Like, okay. Oh, okay. Shut your mouth, you know, because I, I think that's the mission he's on. <laughs> what do you I, I don't know. What he you looks mean. terrific. Todd, he looks exactly like he should look going into, you know, training camp. This right. Part. Yes. Right. Even without being in OTA as well. He looks fantastic. <laughs> he looks in shut your mouth mode. Um, but just if you have any doubts about Todd Gurley as a running back, go back and look at that stretch. I want to say from Seattle to Seattle and how the Rams closed out games and look who was the feature product of the Rams closing out those games. He was absolutely killing. Uh, Green Bay and the Rolex play. Yeah. I mean, ripping off the long run. Yeah. Um, if we were in SEC country, it, it, we, we would sound like coach just give him the ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. Just give him the ball. That's how he was playing. Um, but also, to finish out, watching Jared Goff and watching Sean McVay uh, catch defenses off guard, making big plays when they need to, and just being poised. Um, so just watching him mature and not only rip off, you know, play after play in the first quarter, but when the game is on the line, when you have the lead or you need the lead, watching him be just almost masterful in, in certain situations. They've done a lot of situational work too over the course of the offseason program. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when a team finishes second in scoring, right? Right. You don't, and after finishing first the year before, you don't necessarily think, well, they've got to make real good improvements to their offense, right? Yeah. Like you just kind of don't. But if you look at the red zone scoring, that's a place where they really clearly can get better. Right. And goal to go situations too. They were very middle of the pack to yeah. almost even, you know, the like that middle third, the bottom half of the middle third there. Well, but if see, if Todd takes it in there, that improves your red zone scoring. But okay. you, you also, give, you. You also yes. give Aaron Rodgers another shot at it, which yes. is a no-no. And yes. um, in Denver was the same thing. You had it first and goal from the eight. So you, you have a shot to win the game. Most people wait until your last opportunity to throw it in the end zone. Well, McVay took it first. Yeah. Tried to throw it to Todd there. So you wind up playing for the field goal, get your two-score lead. There's no way they can catch you, win the game, go home. But see what I mean? But if you hit there... The touchdown, you you give them more time, yeah, yeah, yada, but 
there were ways you could have improved your red zone scoring, but sometimes you couldn't to win the football yes, game. Yes, It was smarter. It was prudent to take the three points. Well, you know? <laughs> right. There are right. lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? right? right you know, right, we can make right. these things say anything that we want to say in right. some ways. That's why I say, you know, it's nitpicking when you have yeah. a team that finishes second in scoring. Yeah, but yeah. that's the that's the luxury, though. You, you can nitpick. You are able to do all of these things in the offseason program because you have a lot of continuity on your offensive line, uh, excuse well, me, on your offensive unit in general. Well, I, I don't consider it nitpicking. There were some opportunities that they had, and they'd like, like Minnesota, right? Uh, Jonathan Franklin Myers bailed them out with, yes. the, with the strip sack at yes. the end, right? Yeah, I mean, did. but th- there was a time when you, as an offense, had to, I think, ice the game or you had a chance to extend the lead and basically kill the game and you went three and out or something mm-hmm. like that. So you can improve. And if you go back and look at Aaron Rodgers, look at the best, Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, all these guys, It's we call it nitpicking, but it's areas where they can improve. And when they do, that's when you start calling that guy elite. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's areas he can get better at, just like Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. you know? And we call it nitpicking, but they call it trying to be a perfectionist which is what you want out of your quarterback. Yes, that's yeah. what you pay the guy for, right. right? That's why you draft him number one overall, because yeah. you believe that he can take those steps that can make him elite, those, if, make get those little details right. If Brady gets you on the ropes, you're dead. If Rodgers gets you, gets, you, gets you on the ropes, you're dead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Patrick so, Mahomes in that Patrick conversation Mahomes. now, too. So when Jared Goff has those, and Sean McVay, same thing. When you have a chance to extend the lead to ice the game, it's a little nitpicky thing when you come away with a W, but just be better there. Ice the football game, make it even more one-sided yeah. than it is. Yeah. yeah, Yes, exactly. And that's part of what the Rams were working on during the yeah. offseason program. I think Gerald Everett has a chance to be a good red zone target. And the other thing, too, is Josh Reynolds, now that he's gotten a lot of snaps, he's shown that he can play, make plays in this league. That's another guy <clears> that really <throat> can become a good red zone target because he's got that great vertical ability. He's yeah. 6'3 and plays like he's 6'3. I think he's going to be a problem for, let's say, you play 16, right? regular season games, let's say four or five teams that just don't have that fourth corner mm-hmm. or the fourth DB, you know, and he becomes a big issue. Or if he's got to fill in for one of the starters, he's plenty capable, knows the offense, Jared Goff trusts him. He's very valuable. But at some point, and when we talk about changing personnel groups, if you did bring the extra receiver and it's him, right, if you don't have enough guys to cover, he can beat you for big plays. Yep. First downs and touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I love it. When you when you have a top three that you invest a lot of time in, but you also can make time as a coaching staff and there's enough room to de- develop the fourth guy. You know what I mean? You don't neglect anybody. I think that's tremendous. It's a positive problem to have no when you've got all these guys who can make plays. And it, it's up to him not to be frustrated. And I hate to say know your role, but you know, know your catches are going to be limited with the guys ahead of you. But when you do have an opportunity, make the most of it. I don't think there's anything wrong with have people having set role. As long as, and Sean McVay says this often, it's got to be clear, open, and honest communication that is ongoing, right? right? So if this, if, if a player knows their role and knows how to dominate that role, then that to me is something where you don't necessarily get as frustrated as you might be if you're not being told exactly what yeah. the deal is. I, I think that's for anything. It's in life. funny in team sports, especially in football, all of a sudden your fourth or fifth guy at whatever position becomes the most important guy to winning in key situations because you have the advantage with him. And when you have a guy that accepts that, that, 
that can be patient and wait for his opportunities, right? Yes. And not get frustrated when other guys are making plays and start pouting. What was the guy? Um, and God, he, I don't want to make fun of the dead, but he was so jealous of Megatron in Detroit that he started fouling up plays on purpose. Uh, there were like five wide receivers. And I think he came got... through the Rams at one point. I can't remember his name. Oh, um, man. But he, he passed I... away, so I don't want to speak ill of the dead. But, yes. But that's the other side about. of it, where you're not being a team player. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They're saying our best option to win is let's go through Megatron, let's support him, right? No, he's saying it should be opposite. So I'm so mad, I'm going to foul up plays for you. But when you have guys that have that buy-in, that understand, and when you can communicate to those guys, at some point, son, you're going to be the most important player on the field for us. And then back that up with play calls and plays. Uh, you see guys, you see your top three guys get better and also that fourth string guy get better as well. Right, because he's pushing them. Big time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So as you alluded to, let, let's just get into Todd Gurley here because we, we had not heard from him in a while. Woo. And then we saw him on, jump. Do, on Tuesday. You're a comedy guy. You like stand-up, right? I do. Are, do you like vintage uh, stand-up? I actually just watched Eddie Murphy's Delirious a week or two ago. Oh, my God. Groundbreaking. I died laughing. It hurt so it hard. Was, that was yeah, very funny. really made... It, um, when that first came out, it, it I hurt myself. There are some things that do not hold up in that because it's yeah. language that is now very, very offensive. You can't put that out now. You can't exactly. put out Blazing Saddles now. But, right. Yeah. But back in 1986, I mean, or 80, whenever it was that he did that I you understand because like, these things are at this point you know 35 almost 40 years ago right. and language shifts you know culture culture shifts but these a lot of what he was making fun of in there it still holds up it, true uh, but he took a lot of his I want to say took a lot of his stuff but gained inspiration from Richard Pryor right yeah so Richard Pryor has the Wanted album and there's a part where he talks about Jim Brown Right. Oh boy. Jim Brown and, and and how he used to play. What his interpretation of Jim Brown playing football was. Sure. Jim would walk back to the huddle and say, give me the ball. <laughs> but Jim is third in a mile and we need this. Give me the ball. You know, and <laughs> I mean, when I spun around and saw Todd Gurley standing there waiting to speak, he was last, right? After yeah, Jared, because so. Jared was speaking. Mm -hmm. I jumped because he was so damn big. You know, like, mm. oh, my God, that's Todd. What's up, man? I haven't seen you in, for, in a while. Good to see you, you know? But he had the look on his face like, I'm good. I can't wait to show these people I'm good. Or keep talking. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Which made me say, okay, I'll stop. Right. Yeah. I, I thought one of his most interesting answers was right here. We're going to play it. He was talking about, you know, oh, what since you have not been out there, yeah, yeah. what have you been doing, things like that. I mean, I don't feel like I need to do OTAs. I mean, I know what I've I've done. Um, I know what I can do. Yeah, knows what he's done, knows what he can yeah. do. No, basically saying knows what I I know what I still can do. Yeah. So um, you know, he doesn't look like a guy that's out of shape or hasn't been doing anything. Uh huh. Yeah, he just hasn't been doing it in the the view in view of public. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, just seeing him the other day, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Well, and then I went back and started watching like Vintage Gurley, like I said, the early part of the year. Now, if they said that whatever happened to him happened early, I damn sure couldn't see it in the video, especially at the end of games when he's right. ripping off long runs. Yeah, like you yeah. just said, when we had things like the Rolex play, and no doubt, you saw it. You right. know, he was still really controlling the game. Right. So that's interesting. I, I also thought it was 
it was sort of notable what he was saying about people and the way they talk about the knee and all that and why it doesn't it does or does not bother him. So we got that sound here. I mean, I've been hearing stuff all my life, you know, just whatever growing up, um, hearing comments or whatever that is. So, man, a lot of stuff, you know, don't don't really get to me. Um, I feel like I do a great job. Got a great support and cast, uh, whether it's my, all my friends, my families, my teammates. So, um, like I said, um, it's football. It's, it's the game I've been playing my whole life. So it's, 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 it's nothing new to me. You know, I know what I'm capable of. Um, you know, I know what type of person I am. So, you know, it's no big deal to me. I, he just keeps saying the thing. I, I know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not going to say like Todd is lying. That's not what I mean. But I think when he says, I know how to tune this stuff out. Right. I think he also knows what to let in. Right. That is more or less maybe motivating for him. That's Does that make sense? I, that's, that's the word I picked up on this. It's, it's motivating him. You know, sometimes when you're, when you're, when you're beat up or banged up and it seems like the world is speculating, um, when it's true, you act a certain way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you let it in and you start to repeat things you've heard. Um, when you're defiant, uh, it's it, it seems like you're you're motivated. Like, okay, um, you haven't really spoke to me because I haven't said anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only one that knows me. So when I hear somebody tell me, <laughs> tell, tell the world how I feel without even talking to me, okay, well, you're on the list now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're on the list now. So the next time you see me in the box, you know, spiking the football and you come with a question, keep the same energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Right. That's that's what I picked up. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's all I needed to see. Right. Yeah. It 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 just it feels like Todd Gurley is setting himself up to go out and score a bunch of touchdowns in the first few weeks of the season. Right. And, and, and yeah. then be like, uh, I thought my knee hurt. Well, I mean, you know, score a bunch of touchdowns. I mean, just be effective for as long as possible. And I, I think the Rams are doing a great job with what they have. Like you said, Malcolm Brown is coming, coming back is going to be huge mm-hmm. uh, because you look at them and the way they were going to close out games when Malcolm was healthy. You know, Todd gets you, let's say, from 20 to 20. Bring in Malcolm for three plays. Let him rip off a few at the defense while Todd's recharging. You know? They did do that they a bunch. Did. And, and then when you lose Malcolm, you change things a little bit. You have to over-rely on one guy. So now you've got Malcolm Brown back, plus Todd Gurley, who is going to be healthy, hopefully, uh, with this offseason. And then you've got a young speedster as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you've got a good supporting cast, plus your quarterback's getting better. Yep. You know what I mean? So... I think for Todd, it's like Jared Goff. Focus on getting you right. And I think he's right. He doesn't really need OTAs. He knows where the end zone is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It it, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, like I said, it all came together before he spoke when I saw him standing there. I get it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How much do you think a running back needs in things like preseason? Uh, you know, I, I have this conversation with Marshall. More or less just training camp, I actually yeah. should say. Because he we all we already know he's not playing in the preseason games. You know, like that that's obvious. You need as much as you need. It's funny, and that I'm only speaking for my position when for a second. When when you you know when you're in good preseason mode and then when you can go to regular season mode. It, it's just you just know when your body's ready. Okay. Uh, but asking Marshall about running backs, and he would always say, I just need a few in preseason just to get my rhythm. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then I'll be fine. You don't need a lot of contact. You just need some rhythm plays. You know what I mean? Okay. 
Um, I think if, if running backs had their druthers, it would be, I'm going to take these first 10 carries, you guys aren't going to tackle me, and then I'm going to exit the game, and then you can start playing live football. <laughs> that, that's all they need, right? You don't need the, the extra at the end, but not much to get going. Yeah. I, mean, I saw it, Steven Jackson do it for years. Right. Yeah, not play, not play, put him in ice until the regular season, and then he would just be Steven Jackson once the game started. Well, it seemed like last year, you know, when we went to Baltimore and we saw those joint practices, mm-hmm. Todd Gurley's doing some of that, and then you come back and then you continue to try to put guys in competitive situations, mm-hmm. um, and you couldn't practice against the Chargers last year because you were playing them week three. I believe that will happen this year as with practices with the Raiders. So we will see, I think, Todd Gurley in some of those situations where he will have the chance to go out and practice against a team whereas you would I mean, maybe that's how you get those reps right like you don't need right. to get tackled you're not going to get tackled in practice against another team but you can at least run things at a full speed manner at, yeah. and it's a controlled situation in a controlled environment you could make it thud thud tempo where no one no one's getting taken to the ground i think this benefits him you know you get jostled a little bit mm-hmm. you, get, you get a chance to brace off you know when you have your right knee up left foot back you know, carrying the ball yeah. with your left hand. You get to dip with that left shoulder and test that a little bit and not get taken to the ground. You know what I mean? Yes. So, I mean, all this stuff will help build up to the regular season. But like you said, as, as if I can limit his, you know, his bumps or his tackles or how many carries he takes between July and August, it's only going to help you in September. Of course. When you have the right to give it to him as much as he wants. Well, not only or you need. in yeah. September, but even further down the road, right. right? November, December, January, and you hope even into February where right. the wear and tear is not as much as it was in the pa- in well, this past year. That's the other part, and I think this is going to be interesting, and it's up to the training staff, Reggie Scott's training crew. They're great. Um, but awesome. I'm, I'm not going to put Todd on a pitch count. You know, if I have to give it to him 35, I have to give it to him 35, and then you rehab him for next week and get him ready again. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to be worried about December and September. I'm only worried about September now. I need to win here. Yes. Right now. So if it calls for me to have my best back, I need him on the field. Uh, That is the great part about the NFL. There's only 16 weeks that you've got. 16 games. Every single game is so important because it all adds up in the end. It's not like baseball. And I tend to think that even in baseball, every game is important. Right. right. Because when it get, you get down to the pennant race and you're like, oh, I'm one game out. Well, you know, you, you had a game which you could have won in April would help you right now. No, so no. It, yeah. th- that's that. But just the importance that gets placed on every single game. You really need to win every single game as much as you can. Yeah. And for guys like him, every play ends in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, every oh, single time you touch the ball, it, it, it's never going to be one guy hitting you. You know, it's going to be yeah. at least three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's that's why it's so important to have Todd Gurley on this maintenance plan mm-hmm. that seemed to be working, and both coach and player are pretty happy with yeah, it, and that's I, good. I think he's he, – look, he's not just a big guy that can run, you know, the typical SEC back. He's pretty damn smart with the ball. Yeah. Russell Wilson, when we talk about – how do they talk about Lamar Jackson and running? The quarterback from Baltimore, right? Yes. Uh, and RG3, have to be smarter with your body, right? Yes. We can't run him as much. Yes. Okay, you never say that about Russell Wilson because no. he's smart when he runs. 
he never gives you a clean shot. He was a baseball player. That's right. why he knows how to slide. Well, Todd knows how to run as well. Yeah. Not to avoid contact, but to avoid big hits. It, it's not like he gets his head taken off every other run. No, he doesn't. Yeah, right. He's You're a pretty right. good running back that You're way. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there is reason to be encouraged by what we're seeing from Todd Gurley. Yeah, absolutely. Now, does, is that definitive? No, it's not. And I think we're not going to have any definitive answers until after the first quarter of the regular season. Right. Once we get to October, then we'll really know what what the deal is here. But I think, at least for now, you see Todd Gurley, you hear from Todd Gurley. It doesn't seem like this is a situation where the sky is falling. No doubt. Um, look, it was it, it got sore on you, and you know you you have to take some plays off. It happens. So now you've had an entire off season to work on the problem get everything stronger. Yeah. You know, so I, I think he'll come back and he'll be the same guy that we saw that we, the guy that was the MVP candidate at one point, mm-hmm. I think we'll see that guy. Well, speaking of guys that we hope will come back and be the same guy that we saw in the past, Cooper cup has been doing a lot during the off season program. And I think it's really encouraging, especially considering even, I don't know, 10 years ago, ACL tears and ACL surgeries and ACL yeah. recoveries yeah. were not e- easy is certainly not the right no. word, but it it was more of a process than it seems like it has become now. I think the recovery process from that has become so much more streamlined yeah. for the player's benefit. Thank God. I mean, look, like you said, that used to be, you know, take a guy out to the glue factory. Right. If you, you know, tore your ACL, that was pretty much it. Um, I think medical science has caught up. I think the athlete is a little bit better. Um, I think the game yeah. has changed. That allows for, you know, longer rehab, better rehab. So watching Cooper Cup come back and look like Cooper Cup, great for him. And this is going to sound so mean. I could care less about him. I think I'm happy to have Cooper Cup back for Jared Goff. It just makes <laughs> your quarterback. I mean, think about this, right? When you have that outlet, that guy you know you can go to in a pinch. It makes it. It makes the offense so much more dynamic. I, I think about it as a dad, right? Um, I got the most important people in the car when we leave the restaurant. I got both kids. I got my wife. We're gone, right? Uh-huh. Okay, kids start screaming. I left my Woobie at the restaurant, and I'm halfway home. I'm thinking I'm. We can just go home. Everyone's happy and satisfied. But then she's going to scream her head off. I got to go back and get the whoopee. You know what I mean? Yes. For her benefit. It makes her feel better. Right? Yes. This is good for Jared to have him back on the field. You know what I mean? So Cooper's Cup is Jared Goff's security Is the whoopee. Makes him feel better. Whenever you need a play, there he is. Whatever word it is that you're saying, how do you spell that? Whoopee? Yes. I've I've never spelled whoopee before. Is it just a blanket? Is it like Linus's? You've never heard whoopee? I think it's W-A-U. No. Something will be, yeah. Okay. Okay. Is it just like a little blanket? Like I don't, I don't know what this is. Is, is it a doll? You've never heard of a whoopee? Is it a doll? Is it's it a just pillow? Like the safety blanket, you know, the blanket the kid has for his whole life. All right, so it's like you Linus's have, blue blanket. Yes. Didn't you have one? I no. Oh, poor mom. I had a Mickey pillow. That, that explains all. That explains everything. I mean, yes. That's it. You <laughs> never had a security blanket, Miles. That that explains it. I'm an only child with no security blanket. <laughs> that that explains. We are we are sitting in the comfy chairs. It's like I'm on the couch. We can like really put me through therapy I right mean, now if you want. How, does that hurt? Not not having a security blanket, man. I, I mean, really no no. There's I have no. <laughs> this is gonna get weird. So let's just listen to Cooper Cup as he was ta- asked about you know if you. 
feeling like he's good to go or if he needs more of the summer to make sure he's right? Uh, well, I think there's two things pulling at you. I mean, obviously, you want to go play football right now. I think everyone in this facility is like, let's get this thing going. Um, but I think there's also a part that anyone in this facility would also say, you take the six weeks to prepare yourself for training camp um, for the season ahead. So um, I'm in that same boat. I'm, I'm ready to prepare, um, make sure that when I head into training camp, um, yeah, my body's in the best shape it can possibly be. And I'm excited about having this time to be able to kind of attack that. Is there anything other than full speed contact that you haven't tested yet? I mean, the, or is that? You know, it's a, you know, it's a work in progress. It's one of those mm-hmm. things that, uh, you know, I trust Reggie and Byron and um, what they lay out for me. And like I've said before, I don't think I don't get too far ahead of myself. Um, come in, look at what the week has for me and, um, you know, have a quick discussion about what that's going to look like and how we're going to attack it and um, then go forward on it. So, you know, whatever they're going to throw at me, uh, you're going to have to talk to Reggie and Byron about it. But, uh, you know, I'm, my whole thing is coming in Monday, making sure that I take care of what they put in, in front of me. So he sounds wow. like wh- what? No, just wow, wow. I, I, I just a, a guy that loves to compete, you know. No doubt about it. And and that's that's the hard part for him because yes. he wants to go out there and compete, and you have to slow him down. Yes. Yeah. So like he said, they they got it in his head. You just heard him repeat it. The key is the next six weeks is get ready for training camp, and then the regular season. This is stages, but the competitor in him every time he see a every time he sees a ball in the air. That's mine. I, it should be me. I mm-hmm. should be making those plays. That's That's got to be tough for him. Yeah, I, I'm sure that it is. And I think it was probably tough for him going through last season, too, after he tore that ACL against the Seahawks in that second game in Week 10 uh, that you had against uh, the division rival. And I, I think just going through that, what he said before was the most difficult part was kind of being separated from your teammates mm-hmm. because you can only rehab and, you know, you're not in the meeting rooms. You've got to make sure you're doing everything on the knee that you have to and things like that so now that he's back out there now that he's not only doing stuff on the side he's been able to go through jog throughs as well when the Rams are just going through their 11 on 11 but they're not going full speed so that's why he can get in there even though he's got on the red jersey to signify no contact and things like that and he actually said that that's been really helpful for him I'm incredibly thankful for the opportunity to be able to go out and um, be in the huddle again break a huddle out there and be able to see a defense out in front of me Uh, it's one of the things I think um, is underrated is the repetitions even when you're not going full speed yet uh, being able to see a defense be able to make decisions based Based on what they're showing you, and then be able to react once you, you know, the ball snaps, and um, you know you try to anticipate as much as you can what you're going to get, and have a plan for how you're going to attack each play. Um, but being able to see that, um, react, get you your spots, and um, I mean I think that's uh, invaluable reps for me. You better watch him, you know, in practice because he'll he'll try to sneak one on you. If you're not looking, you know, he'll go out there with the starters and try to go full speed. So you have like treat him like a kid with sunscreen. Come on over here. Yes. Get out of the sun for a minute. But, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, getting those reps when you're rehabbing, I think it's huge because you don't lose anything mentally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But and, and to go back to your point about, you know, it was tough for him when he first hurt his knee. Well, that's a little bit different. Your body, your your brain and your knee aren't communicating because there's a problem there. Now that you're close and you actually feel pretty good, like you're on the field doing stuff, but you're still not in there, th- this is the worst time. This is the hard part where you really have to trust your training staff and they really have to watch you <laughs> yes. because you want to rush it. Well, because, yes, there there has to be a clear process yeah. 
that is very structured. And that's why I think he's this kind of guy where he says, I'm looking at this week and this week only because I don't want to look too far ahead. I just want to know what do I have to do this week? And I think that probably keeps him focused more. No doubt. Because uh, if you start looking to, you know, where the ultimate goals are, yeah. then it probably can make you want to say, oh, I want to get there faster. A little bit. And it's, it's funny, you know, the business of football. Um, Cooper Cup is rehabbing. They need him for September, right? Mm-hmm. Morgan Fox is out there right now competing for a job. You know what I mean? It's also different, though, because Morgan Fox tore his ACL in May or late. It was either late May, early June. Right. And then you got that from Cup in November. But so, some people have to go ASAP. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fair. I mean, Kevin, pe- Kevin Peterson also is in that same boat right. um, with Morgan Fox. Right. But this speaks to where you were before you got hurt in the first place. OK, yes. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I hear yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. Some people, when you have that same injury, you have to, like he says, you, it, it, it's good for him to go through the walkthroughs. You know, some people have to go as fast as they can right now mm-hmm. with exactly where Cooper Cup is in his rehab. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yes, I, I hear you. Right. I, I, I hear you on that. Uh, what else do you feel like we learned during the offseason program? Uh, well, you know, and this is funny, um, you know, watching Brian Allen and watching Joseph Noteboom. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about these guys, I feel, all season long anyway. Yes. Um, but just watching these two guys go about their work, getting repetitions, you know they're going to be fine. They're surrounded by either good coaching or great players, great experience that can help in an offense that's that's offensive line friendly. But it really does make you appreciate Roger Saffold, you know, and how good he was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot to live up to on that left side for Joseph Noteboom. So that's the one thing I, I came away thinking like, OK, wow, they're ready to start now. Are they ready to excel and be just as good as the guys they're replacing? Sure. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And that's tough, especially because when you are a veteran guy, there's so many things that you know. You're right. Right? So Andrew Whitworth, John Sullivan, and Roger Saffold from center over, there's probably nothing that they had not seen in the NFL on a situation over the course of the last two years when they were those guys on that side of the or line. Or could do, especially when you think of Roger. If it got down and dirty and you needed to, to root a guy out for a third and one, He's big as a house. Yep. You know, if you need a guy that's athletic, you saw that. Well, I I think Joseph Noteboom is on his way, but, you know, it's those are big shoes to fill. Absolutely. So that's that's the one thing I came away with thinking, okay, wow, this is going to be interesting. Well, in in the case of Brian Allen, it's not a knock against him. He just does not have the experience to see, like, know certain situations and make sure that he has all the certain calls, right? Right. That's something you have to be able to learn, to grow into, and he's working really hard at it. And we talked to uh, Aaron Cromer at press conference the other day, and he said that Brian Allen is doing a great job of that. Jared Goff alluded to the fact that they play Fortnite together on Xbox. Interesting. And they talk over the headsets. That's and, cool. Yeah. They you know, should. They're doing different stuff like that to yeah. keep, get more and more comfortable with one another. Because you that's hope the that... the only voice you should respond to is Jared's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's your job. But you hope yeah. that that battery will come together and gel together very well yeah. and you have it for the next five years. I don't think you're going to get knocked flat from a center position with Brian Allen. I think he's... I don't either. He's got good body position and he's strong and he's nasty. So I think that's going to be just fine. And another guy from the O-line... Um, Denby, Jamil Denby. Yeah, um, I, I, they've they've lined him up everywhere. everywhere. Everywhere, all five. Yeah, he feels pretty comfortable right now. So, I mean, I, I think that's a great guy coming off the bench in case you have to, 
slide guys over or make adjustments. You know how it goes in the game. Yes. I, I think he's coming along as well on the O-line. The, the sixth man on the offensive line is extremely important, and it has mm-hmm. not been as important probably for this team as it is for most teams over the course of the last two years. So as we knock on wood that the health of the offensive line continues, right. uh, if it doesn't and you can't anticipate that you're going to get all five for all 17 weeks – in the regular season for a third consecutive year. Right. Demby, I think, will probably have to start a game this year. Probably. I mean, you never know. I mean, you don't know. Yeah, and you hope season. he doesn't, yeah. obviously, but I think that he will be prepared to do that. And you played a lot of football. And that that front five played a lot of football last season. Yes. So you never know. Um, the other thing that jumped out at me, and this is funny, I have to take you back to my my, my wrestling roots. Ooh, okay. As a fan, right? As a yeah. wrestling fan. Uh, you used to see these guys come out uh, developmental talent, and then they go away for a while, and then the next time you see them, they looked jacked. Like, wow, where did that come from? <laughs> That's what I keep getting from Sebastian Joseph Day. Oh, my God, what have you been doing, man? Yes. I mean, he is yoked. His body fat is down. He weighs less but looks bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's really starting to fill out as a pro. Like, this is what he does for a living, and it's starting to show. And I love his new coach. I think he's going to get nothing. Everyone's going to get better with Coach Henderson. But especially guys like him that need this type of coaching right now in his life, look out for him. You got two of the things on my list, Sebastian Joseph Day and Eric Henderson, in terms of things that we learned in the offseason program. I really think that Sebastian Joseph Day could surprise people because – yeah. Uh, just from the way he looks, the way he seems to understand what it is that he's got to do when he's on the field. And he's another guy that I think is very motivated because when I talked to him last week, two weeks ago, just about the fact that he's in there, he's been getting snaps at nose. And I brought up how you and I talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. He always looked like he wanted to be in pads so bad on Mm -hmm. game day. And he goes, man, you don't even know. Right. That's the kind of guy who did the work this offseason. Yeah, yeah. And now he's very motivated to earn that spot at nose tackle. Now he needs to go find his inner Tyler Durden and just go fight club. Oh, yes. You, you got everything. I mean, that's that's the the, the, the final frontier. Wait a minute. Him. Isn't the first rule about fight club that we don't talk well, about What's different club? now? I mean, for him. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, just go find that It's dog. actually a movie that I've seen. Are you surprised? Great movie. No. <laughs> just find that inner dog in you and be that guy because you've got everything else to be successful. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, he's going to surprise some people, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing I think that we learned is that ru- rookie running back, Daryl Henderson, he's got that movement, I think, that will translate to the NFL. Yeah. Look, you average nearly nine yards a carry over two years. I want two years at, me- at at Memphis, at the college level. I don't care where you're playing. That's something. I think he can bring some of that dynamism to the Rams offense and give Todd Gurley a blow for a second, give Malcolm right. Brown a blow, whatever it happens to be. You know, maybe you're on the field at the same time because you're split out wide or whatever it is. I think that there's he's somebody that could really turn some heads. Oh, no doubt. Every time he touches the ball, I just I think beep beep. You know, roadrunner. I do. <laughs> Here we go. That's funny. You know, I mean, really, as a defense, I mean, as it gets going. And, I mean, even at Memphis, when you knew about this guy, you'd have to adjust defensively, and he still found a way to get to the outside or get through you. Yes. He's got some serious ability. And now he's got, like you said, he's he's the third option in the offense, 
and he's going to have some opportunities he didn't have at Memphis. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. To hit the corner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, this this is going to be interesting. He can really, really fly. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing him in pads and in the preseason game. True. And that's the other thing. I mean, this is the difference between, you know, like you said, nine years of carry at Memphis and nine years of carry at the league. Everyone at this level can run. Yep. And everyone hits. Yep. You, you know what I mean? Um, is it Roquan Smith? Uh, the, uh, the the Bears linebacker. middle linebacker, yeah. he can catch you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can get he can he's get great. to the numbers before you. He's great. Yeah, so let's I see. really like him. As a right, so let's see what happens then. Yeah. Bobby Wagner, you know, when you're trying to carry it up the gut in Seattle. Yep, the guy hits like a cement truck. You know, so I mean, this is it's just another step for him. But he's got the goods. He's got the speed. No, no yeah. doubt about it. All right, for our my at least self indulgent moment of the week. Yeah, I do want to at least give another shout out to Corey and Brittany. On their beautiful wedding, <gasps> you last officiated week. the marriage. I did officiate. You did. Oh my yeah. god, how'd it go? I okay. I, it went pretty well. Nice. It went really well. And like, yeah, our producer Taylor is nodding his head and putting his thumbs up because Taylor. So Taylor shot the wedding. So <gasps> no Taylor kidding. was there. All right. Yes. So this was a big Rams uh, family affair. But no, it, it it went really well. I thought that it was just a beautiful ceremony. It was at. Um, in Malibu at one of those ranches up there. No kidding. So yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful ceremony, beautiful wedding. And like, it was one of the great honors of my life. Honestly, it was so much fun. I'm going to start calling you Padre. I'm, I'm down with yeah, that. I'm going to start calling you Padre. You I'm know, down with Father that. Miles. So wow. one of the, the, probably one of the more interesting got, um, moments of the ceremony, right? So it's at the end and I said something to the effect of, you know, I'm no relationship expert, but you know, I've done a little reading on the internet, Yeah. maybe stayed at the holiday Inn last night. Nice. So I'll give, if you permit me, I will dispense some uh, advice. And so what I said was, uh, make truth the unfailing bedrock of your lives together. And uh, it's something like, you know, a, a healthy, strong marriage is based on trust, uh, respect, and and to quote Sean McVay, clear, open, and honest communication. You quoted Coach McVay. Oh, I did. Yes. Wow. So Corey tells Unbelievable. Coach yeah, yeah. this on Monday during media day. And so then I and but he said he told me that he told Coach, like, I can't remember what I, I Miles said, because you know, he's in the middle of the wedding and yeah, like yeah. he's looking at his bride, who's beautiful, and all these different things are going through your mind. So you're kind of not paying attention to what I'm saying, right. which is very, very fair in my opinion. So after Tuesday. Mini camp practice. I uh, I went up to him and I told him like, "Hey, I, Corey told me what he told you, and so I just want to let you know that it was a clear, open, and honest communication thing." And McVeigh is like, "Oh, I'm far from the first person to say that." And I was like, "Yes, but it made it made them smile during the ceremony. Nice. So that was cool. Awesome, very yeah. cool, man. Yes. Look at you. Yes, I know. So I you. if you need wedding services, my DMs are open." I- Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I will charge, though. Wow. All right. Um, I'll be the chauffeur. I'll drive him. <laughs> sure. Right. Okay, we can make this a little business, Give man. Give me knuckles. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. Awesome. No, it was, it, wow. it, like I said, it was one of the great honors of my life to be able to create a, a, a moment and, you know, a day like that for them. So two people that I, I care very much about. Were you so nervous? That was very cool. A little bit. Um, yeah. But it was. Not as nervous as you'd think. I, the thing that made me nervous was like the microphone situation. So I'm like reading the ceremony off of my iPad because there wasn't like anywhere to put yeah, papers yeah. or something. And I didn't want to like 
flap through papers and have them flapping in the wind. So to me, the, the Smart. smartest, safest option was to have the iPad. And of course, you know, I practiced it. So I wasn't off book, but I wanted to, you know, yeah, yeah. Have, be able to read whatever it was that I needed to read. So I was told before that I would either have like a lav mic so it would be attached to my suit or it would be like one of those headset mics. Right. And then I get up there and it's like a handheld <laughs> wired mic and I was like, oh, well, this is this is a bit of an audible here because yeah. I was planning on holding the iPad with oh, two hands and like using it? one. So my case, fortunately, let me put my index finger between it like the case and the thing. And I used my thumb to like scroll and I had my, the back three fingers of my hand, like on the back of it, it was a little bit more complex. And then I had to like hold the mic nice. up to myself. Nice, there you go. And I had to hold the mic to their faces as they're like delivering the vows. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that made me nervous was also like I had to like make sure I had Britney's vows like in my breast pocket or whatever yeah, on the inside. A lot going on. I kind of did, but you know, I'm a good multitasker. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was in control. For, you're ready for live TV. Look I, at you. Well, thank you. Yeah, see? I mean, we kind of do live stuff every yeah. pregame live. Right. Get ready to start. Okay, everything you were about to say is dead now. Move to something else. Yeah. What? That's how it goes in live TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything you're about to say, forget it. Move to this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ready, go. Exactly. No, but it was, like I said, it was so it was so much fun, and then, you know, the reception was great and, and everything like nice. that. So, but that was, it was. I, I'm proud of you, man. It was cool to do that. It was very cool. I am proud. That's awesome. Yes. Um, only my uncles who are preachers are people that I know that actually officiate weddings. Yeah. So, yeah. My favorite the part. The first non-preacher I ever met that's my, actually officiated the I wedding. will say that my favorite part was saying, by the power vested in me by the state of California. That is scary. Right? They gave Miles power. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, actually, okay. Here, my real favorite part was after we went back to the little suite or wherever, you yeah. know, they staged the bridal party. And Corey brought out this bottle of vintage. I mean, it wasn't vintage. I don't know. But it was it was Suntory Hakushu. You ever had this? God bless you. It's Japanese whiskey. It is 12 years aged. And it is was one of the best things to ever hit my lips. Oh, I'm, I'm a big whiskey guy. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. I so like, like one of my gift for officiating was I didn't a nice, know you were a whiskey guy. Bottle. Now I know. Oh that's, yeah. That's incredible. That was that was I awesome. learned a lot about you today. That's amazing. Great. That is really cool. Uh, any parting shots? <laughs> well, how do you No, no, that, that, let's just end there. That's amazing. <laughs> well, oh, wait, wait, one thing, one okay, thing, right? Okay, okay. Um, I had someone at, I just came from the movies, right? And I walk out. What what'd you see? And I'm in a snarky mood. But I just saw Godzilla King of the Monsters, right? And this one guy who wants to make small talk goes, hey, how was the movie? How did it end? And I just said, what's in the title? <laughs> how do you think it ends, right? And, and then the other thing, right? Um, same guy uh, starts telling me how much he knows football, right? And I'm cool, so I just gave him a test. What's the difference between offsides and encroachment? Okay. Couldn't tell me. Oh, dear. Okay, so is that snarky? I mean, it's a little snobbish, but I, I think it like – only because he's claiming up and down like he could be a GM head coach oh, player at all that in point, the same day type guy. At that point, somebody needs to be told. Thank you. D- yes. That's that's where I was. Yes. Okay. Thank yes. you. I, I, like you sometimes people need to be told that they're wrong. Right. Okay. Thank you. No, I'm I'm totally okay with that. The preacher said. So. All right. Well, by the power vested in me <laughs> by the state of California, that was between the horns. Hey, I hope everybody enjoyed it. We will see you next time. Rocket.